good morning to all the dear listeners of Devi Bhagavad. Today we will listen to chapter 1 episodes 18 to 19. The meeting between Sukhdevji and Raja Janak. Suji says, when Raja Janak heard of the arrival of his Guru, Putra, son of Veda Vyas, he arrived at the guest house accompanied by his council of ministers. He gave him a courteous welcome, seated him on a special asana, that is seat, and made inquiries about his well-being. A mulch cow was presented according to the custom. Sukhdevji acknowledged the reception and accepted the gift with the grace. Then he also inquired about the king's health and well-being. After he took his seat and settled into calm repose, Raja Janak asked him, Son of my Guru, you are honorable and dignified and free from wish or desire. Do me the favor of telling me the reason that we are favored with a visit from you. Sukhdevji said, Maharaj, you are preeminent among kings. My father Vyasji has advised me to get married as the state of matrimony is considered the highest. But to me it appears like a binding force and I refused. He explained that it is not an entrapment, but I still resisted. My mind got entangled in manifold assumptions and fears. Sensing this, Vyasji suggested that I come to Mithila and speak to you. He described you as a dharmic king who conducts yajyas, sacrifices, and as one who is freed from the bondages of worldly life. The title of Vaideha, detached attention, has been conferred on you by all who know you. He said you rule un obstructed and have no foes or enemies. Even while ruling the country, you are untouched by the luxuries which surround you. He said that after interacting interacting with you, all my skepticism and fanciful misgivings would be removed. A meeting with Raja Janak will convince you that all your fears are baseless and that you are groping in darkness and up obscurity. In obedience to my father's advice, I have come to Mithila to seek your advice and guidance. You are pure and sinless. Tell me what I should do. To become free of worldly bondages, O King, there are various resources and means of devotion, penance, re- annunciations, austerity, visits to holy shrines and sacred places of pilgrimage, fasting, sacrifice, taking up residence in holy lands, continuous and regular study of the sacred scriptures. To which of these should I resort for divine protection and safe harbor? Please give me your valuable advice. Raja Janaka said, For a seeker who embarks on the road to moksha, 
it is imperative that he should conform to certain requirements he should wear the sacred thread after the prescribed investiture ceremony then he must take up residence at the feet of his guru he must make a complete study of the vedas and scriptures at the conclusion of his education he must offer the prescribed guru dakshina token of gratitude to the guru before departing his ashram when the disciple returns to his own household from his guru's residence he should be received with the customary rites then he should enter the state of grihasthi enter the state of marriage and become a householder he must keep control of the jurisdiction of his mind there is no alternative injunction or precept he must always strive to keep others happy he must have no acceptations from others not allow sinful thoughts to linger he should perform agnihotra ceremony consisting of offering oblations to the sacred fire always speak the truth and remain ever pure and chaste after begetting children and grandchildren he must enter the third stage of vanaprastha renunciation he must conquer the shatripus the six enemies not conducive to meditation namely anger desire for sensual pleasures attachments temptations conceit and jealousy finally he must entrust his wife into the care of his son pledge all his faculties and enter the state of total surrender and ascetism the fourth state in the life of dvija or twice born he must never stray from the path of dharma maintain a peaceful and tranquil state of mind uncorrupt and free from worldly desires only such a person can be termed an ascetic if he is not detached he should never enter the last state this truth has been proclaimed in the vedas and no one can violate it sukhdev ji the vedas prescribed 48 purification rites out of these our learned ancestors have opportuned 40 for the grihasth householders in addition the balance eight are for those who are spiritually inclined and desirous of liberation from worldly existence it gives tranquility bliss control over senses self restraint it is the advice and direction of sages that step by step one must go from one ashram to another one stage to the other sukhdev ji asked if one gains mastery over sense perceptions and worldly desires and acquires the secret knowledge for liberation is it compulsory for him to still go through the different stages like householder or can he retire to the forest as an ascetic raja janaka said oh praiseworthy one it is extremely difficult to conquer the power of the senses with the slightest lapse in attempt attention it enters the consciousness and creates thoughts and desires after renouncing the world 
if one still feels urges for tasty food soft comfortable bed sense pleasures longing for progeny how can he silence these desires desires cannot be destroyed they are very enduring therefore the impulses have to be overcome by degrees step by step you have to experience and then overcome like a man who sleeps at a height will experience the fall at some time or the other but the man who sleeps on the floor has no possibility of falling after entering the ascetic stage if anyone corrupts pollutes or defies defies it then there is no other recourse for the ascetic in the lifetime it is known as brahast sthiti and ant starts its journey from the roots of the tree and gradually step by step reaches the branches and ultimately the fruits whereas a bird in an effort to avoid meeting obstacles flies with a great speed the result is that the bird becomes weary and tired while the ant enjoys in comfort there is no shortcut to reaching the goal of self liberation step by step one has to conform to the stage of life you are in and gradually gain mastery over the mind even within the householder stage one can be at peace and not allow any thoughts to disturb the attention reflection or contemplate on the atma the self there should be no reaction no happiness in good fortune and no sorrow in misfortune any thoughts that disturb the peace of mind should be dropped or surrendered and only prescribed activities should be performed the joy of meditation on the supreme being should be felt in the heart such a person undoubtedly gets release from the troubles and perplexes perplexities of worldly life of sinless one see how i rule a kingdom and yet i am free and untouched i act according to my conscience but i am not attached to the action or the result just as i partake of various forms of nourishment and perform my raid tasks and still remain untouched and un and detached so also you must strive to become free i have told you all the causes of attachment if you go beyond the cause then there is no effect the five elements are made of matter and have no power or influence over the atma the spirit atma is immaculate pure inconceivable incomprehensible sinless it can only be experienced not perceived through the senses then how can it come under any influence or bondage o twice born one the cause of our sinking into this deep and un fathomable ocean of illusion is the mind once the mind becomes clean and pure all the turbulence caused by the senses gets destroyed and neutralized one may go and take endless dips in the holy water but till the mind is washed clean it is of no avail o brahmin of subdued senses that which puts one into bondage is not the body soul or senses it is the mind which binds and the mind which releases atma is eternally pure 
and the embodiment of detachment. If there is no mental activity, then the causes of bondage cease to exist. Friends, enemies, sadness, dejection are all figments of the mind. Atma is singular. As long as man is conscious of his individuality as body and mind, he cannot identify with Atma or spirit. Atma is the embodiment of Brahma. I am that eternal Brahma. Without doubt, there is so, there is so much ignorance and false knowledge in the world. Because of this, one feels mul- multiplicity between Atma and Brahma and the attention is fragmented. This avidya or false knowledge can be neutralized only if one gets Brahmagnana, knowledge of Brahma on the central nervous system. Therefore, it is judicious for the sage and the philosopher to acquire Brahmagnana or Nirmal Vidya, pure knowledge. Just as you cannot appreciate the cool comfort of shade until you stand in the sun, so also, unless there is a backdrop of false knowledge, you cannot recognize the excellence and benevolence of Nirmal Vidya. It is a natural phenomenon to have variations within moods, energies, within elements and senses, pleasures within situations or circumstances. The Vedas which tend and train to all of us have laid down limits of decorum and boundaries of good conduct. If man does not conform to these prescriptions, then atheists and skeptics will wipe out authority and dharma will go out of existence. There will be a breakdown of status and law and the very existence of humankind will be threatened. Therefore, those who abide by the value systems of the Vedas will inherit the kingdom of God. Sukhdevji said, O king, there is one question that is constantly troubling me. How can one, how can one who is surrounded on all sides by Maya be free from longings and desires. Even though one has studied the scriptures and has a sense of discretion between the eternal and the transit, man still gets entangled in in the web of Maya. Then how can he claim to be free? Knowledge of the scriptures is not powerful enough to dispel the ignorance of the heart. Just having knowledge of Lamps does not dispel darkness. Our wise elders have always directed that we maintain alliance and friendship with all living beings. How is it possible for a household to observe this? O king, the yearning for wealth, the comforts and luxuries of royal life, victories in war and desire for fame will constantly be crowding your mind. So how can you be free from worldly attachments? You use gall to trap a thief. You are righteous and virtuous in the company of ascetics. And you can, of course, discriminate between friend and foe. 
So where is the detachment from qualities? You have knowledge of taste, sweet, salt, sour, bitter, pungent and astringent. Then where is the conquest over the senses? Also you know the difference between good and evil. That is, you derive joy from good deeds and abhor evil. You experience all the three states, waking, dreaming and sasupta, deep slumber. Then how can you be in this single state of balance at all times? You are the acknowledgeable master of your army, elephants, horses and infantry. You are, you eat delicious, bland and tasteless food is not relished. Then how can a garland and a snake appear no different in your sight? A liberated and emancipated being is one to whom a clod of earth and a lump of gold appear no different from each other and who is always engaged in activities benevolent to others. Therefore, I have no desire to live the life of a householder. Even for one moment, my mind is resolved. I will live in seclusion, silence, my desires and live in peace and tranquility. I will live in the company of any living thing. I will give up all attachments. I will eat fruits or flowers or leaves or anything that I get. I will cease to experience happiness or sorrow. And I will not collect or amass material objects. I will wander freely just like antelope and deer. O King, when the desire for renunciation has already awakened within me and all my moods of happiness and sorrow have been silenced, then what is the purpose of my entering the state of householder with house, possessions, beautiful wife and other entrepreneurs? You are constantly speaking and thinking of various situations and things and still say that you are liberated from worldly attachments. I feel I am being deceived. You are beset by concerns and problems relating to enemies, to wealth and treasures. What makes you any different from the rishis and munis who live in the forest, eat frugally, who are steadfast in their meditation, who are fully aware that this world is an illusion and yet get ensnared in the web of attachments? By virtue of birth, the members of your clan get the title Vaidehi, one whose attention is totally detached. This is very contradictory practice. It is just the same as giving the title of Vidyadha, bearer of knowledge, to an illiterate man or naming a blind man Divakar, bearer of light, or a pauper being called Lakshmidhar, bearer of wealth. It has no meaning. It is nonsensical. Raja Janaka spoke thus, O twice-born one, what you have spoken is the truth. There is no lie in it. But still hear this. My Guru Vyasji is worthy of the utmost honor and respect. Agreed that you do not wish to live with him and you want to go into the forest. 
but in the forest you will have to live and keep alliance with deer and antelope this is a fact when there is no place devoid of the five elements where on this earth can you remain without attachment hunger pangs will make themselves felt at some time or the other how then will remain unconcerned when and how will you satisfy the longing to eat you will keep an eye on your staff and dear skin in the same way that i keep a watch on my kingdom i never get over anxious or excessively worried about its affairs i have surrendered all anxieties and concerns mistakes and doubts i am in absolute joy eating or sleeping the world cannot bind me if you are always in fear that i am caught in the worldly web then this thought itself will cause you to sink into the self doubt and distress therefore be always alert watchful and cautious it is our responsibility to surrender these fears and live in confidence and joy i am this body are the chains which bind i am not this body is the release it is this i consciousness and sense of ownership that snares and entraps one into worldly attachments attachment does not come out of the body or the home it comes from self conceit and possessiveness suji says raja janaka's word made a deep and favorable impression on sukhdev ji they allayed all his doubts and misapprehensions he immediately took leave of raja janaka and set off for vyas ashram seeing this son returning home vyas ji was overjoyed he received him with fatherly love made him sit on his lap breathe over his head and enquired after him from that day onward sukhdev ji lived in that beautiful ashram he was already well versed in the vedas and scriptures after witnessing the tranquil and balanced state in which raja janaka maintained himself in spite of ruling a kingdom sukhdev ji found peace in his heart and he decided to continue living in the ashram he got married to a beautiful girl from his clan her name was pivari they had four sons and a beautiful daughter called kirti she was given in marriage to king vibraj her son brahmadut was a very wise and illustrious king he was very fortunate that shri narada himself imparted brahma yajna knowledge of brahma to him after reaching the zenith of knowledge brahmadut handed over his kingdom to his son and retired to badrikashram a place of pilgrimage in the himalayas <coughs> sukhdev ji also took sanyas life of an ascetic and went and settled in the beautiful peak of mount kailash he spent his days in resolute and undisturbed contemplation of the self and meditation on the divine one day shining like the sun he ascended into the heavens and his asana left the mountain it split asunder and many other happenings took place all this was 
witnessed by the meditating rishis and munis and they all began to sing hymns in his praise the entire sky was bright with the second sun shining in it vedvyas was very sad at this parting and kept lamenting my son my son seeing the pitiable condition of his father sukhdev ji made a reply hearing the sound of his voice the rishis and munis knew that he had already been released from his mortal body and had merged with the universal soul up to date his voice can be heard in clear lucid tones vyas ji says vyas ji was inconsolable and kept grieving for his son dark clouds of mourning loomed overhead shri shiva the ever compassionate god came down from kailash and appeared before vyas ji shri shiva consoled him vyas ji do not grieve vyasa do not grieve your son sukhdev is a vast receptacle receptacle of knowledge of the vedas and the yogeshastras he has been granted that highest state which even the most steadfast souls do not achieve easily you yourself are wise and learned therefore you should not have any worries regarding your son by having a son like sukhdev you have earned renown and fame vyas ji said oh god of gods what shall i do i have become destitute and helpless my eyes long for glimpse of him and i am floundering the lord said that which completely absorbed your son and enamored him enamored him can be found as a reflection in a very close proximity to yourself discover it and your and you will find peace and tranquility Sujji says very soon after that Vyasji experienced the splendor and joy of reflection within himself after giving him this boon Sri Shiva removed himself from his sight Vedvyas returned to his ashram in perfect peace Vedvyas sojourned on the banks of the river Saraswati Rishis asked Sujji after receiving the boon from Shiva what did that most among eminent among sages vedvyas do please tell us in detail suji says many famous sages like asit deval and vaishyam payan came and studied under vedvyas on completion of their spiritual education they took his permission and went to different parts of the world for propagation of religious principles after his son sukhdev left for his heavenly abode vyas ji decided to leave that place just at that time he suddenly remembered his mother satyavati who was a maiden of a non aryan tribe he had parted from her on the banks of the river ganga and he recalled how sad and inconsolable she had been so he left the mountains and went down to the place of his birth there he in- inquired from her clansmen about his mother they told him that the pious and holy maiden satyavati had been given in marriage to the famous and illustrious king shantanu the head boatman extended a respectful hospitality to vedvyas he left his birthplace and went and built an ashram on the banks of saraswati river he spent his days in tapasya renunciation and meditation 
King Shantanu was an illustrious and dignified ruler. He and Satyavati begot two sons. Vyasji was happy to know that he had two brothers. The elder was Chitragan. He was a super suppressor of enemies and was possessed of all great qualities. The second son, Vichitravirya, was illustrious and wise. Shantanu had an elder son, Bhishma, of unequaled strength and valor. Satyavati's two sons, Chitraganta and Vichitravirya, were also mighty and brave. Seeing these three powerful and brave sons, Shantanu felt he was more invincible than the gods. Then Shantanu left for his heavenly abode. Just as one divests himself of an old garments for new, so also King Shantanu discarded for his old and worn out mortal body. (coughs) The prescribed ceremonies were performed. The eldest prince Bhishma declined the throne and coronated his brother Chitraghan as king. The new king was very brave and valiant and vanquished all his enemies in a about time in a short time one day king chitragan took a vast army and went to the forest a gandharva celestial musician bearing the same name chitragan saw the king and descended to earth and stood before the king both were very brave and strong a great battle Ensured on a battlefield called Kurukshetra. They fought fiercely for three years. At last the king fell to the Gandharva. The new king, Vichitravirya, ascended the throne. He was just a youth. When he grew to mankind, Bhishma began to think of getting him married. The king of Kashi had three most beautiful daughters who were endowed with all favorable qualities. The king arranged a swayamvara with a condition that the the princes would choose their husbands themselves. Thousands of kings and princes had been invited and a very royal and respectful gathering was present. Most valiant prince Bhishma arrived in a chariot, defeated all the kings and princes and carried away the three princes to Hastinapura. His feelings towards the princess was pure, as if they were his sisters or daughters. On reaching Hastinapura, he presented the princess to his mother, Queen Satyavati. Then he consulted her priests and brahmins and fixed fixed an auspicious date for the marriage of the princess to King Vichitravirya. One of the princes who was the most beautiful said with that with great modesty to Bhishma, O protector of the righteous, you are dignitary of the Kaurava dynasty. O son of Ganga, please understand, I had already chosen King Shal as my husband and he also chose me in his heart to be his bride. You are the greatest among the holy and pious. And you are also the strong and powerful. In the circumstances, do whatever you deem fit, Suji says. Hearing this, Bhishma asked for advice from Satyavati and the priest and ministers. Then he told 
the princess that she was free to go with her purity and chastity intact she went to king shal and said king in my heart i had chosen you as my husband and i know you also chose me i have come to you and you may make arrangements for our marriage king shal said oh beautiful one in my presence and in the presence of the large noble gathering bhishma carried you and put you in his chariot and took you away it is not possible for me to marry you no sensible man will marry a maiden who has been abandoned by another even though bhishma had pure intentions the marriage cannot take place after this rejection the princess went back to bhishma weeping and sorrowful she pleaded oh brave and brave one treating me as your castaway king shalva has refused to marry me now you must keep me here as your servant or i will have to release my soul from the body bhishma replied oh princess in your heart you have already accepted another as your husband so who can accept you now it is better for you to return to your father's house the princess left and wandered into the forest she found a quiet and peaceful place conducive conducive to meditation and settled down there king vichitravirya lived happily with the two princes ambika ambalika and ambika sometimes they stayed in the palace and sometimes they would go to the forest in the ninth year the king died of tuberculosis satyavati was plunged into grief she went into solitude for some time then she called bhishma and requested him to take charge of the kingdom and also ensure that the yayati dynasty did not cease bhishma reminded his mother that no ensure his father that to ensure his father's happiness he had relinquished all claim to the throne and had also taken a vow not to marry suji says satyavati was troubled with the problem that if there was no progeny the line would cease to exist bhishma suggested to her that if the two queens produced heirs and matter could be solved satyavati's thoughts turned to her son the most pure vedvyas as soon as she thought of him he arrived in her presence bhishma received his brother with respect and reverence satyavati also honored him the whole personality of vedavyas was glowing like flames from a fire satyavati addressed her son most auspicious son you must ensure the continuity of our line you must produce heirs for the family of vichitravirya to vyasji his sons his mother's words were his command he agreed queen ambika bore a child who has blind who was blind queen ambika bore a child who was blind he was called dhritarashtra ambika ambalika gave birth of a child with a pale complexion he was called pandu and by anonymous decision he became heir to the throne once again satyavati called vedvyas and made the same request to him this time the queen did not go to vyasji 
but sent a maid. The son born to the maid was pious being, the embodiment of dharma. He was called Vidur. In this way, in obedience to this, his mother, Vedvyas ensured the continuity of the Yayati clan. I have narrated to you all the episodes connected with the Yayati clan. That ends the chapter. Let's be in silence within. And try to imbibe all the knowledge that we just listened from this holy scripture, Devi Bhagavat. Please enjoy the bliss. Be in meditative state for a couple of minutes and do pranams. To Devi Bhagavat for giving us the opportunity to listen everything, every knowledge, everything that has happened. We'll continue tomorrow. Have a good day. Namaste.